Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Yeah, we're back, Alan. We're back. We're back. We're after, back. After a week of not being on the air, here we are again. Welcome one, to the show. Very exciting today. Uh, show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Thank you for uh, tuning in. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big L. Of course, he's a CPA. Uh, here's kind of the rundown today for all of you keeping score. <laughs> <laughs> for our, what, second show of the year. Yeah, How about it's that? exciting. Yeah. What do we got? Um, we got a great guest today. He wrote a uh, book, The Thin Red or Green Line. Thin Green Line. Thin Trying Green to, Line. Kind of, it's, it's not as hard to get there as you think, but it's hard to stay above the line, it too. It is. Well, what is the green line, Al? Well, it's, it's uh, wealth. It's wealth is right. Yeah. So um, stick around for that. That's a great book. Yeah, it is good. I would encourage some people uh, to check that out. This guy interviewed hundreds of like multi-millionaires, billionaires, and just looking at what is the secret to success, right? and how do you do it, and is there any magic potion? Uh, so stick around, we'll um, get that gentleman on the line. And then we're going to get into Al's list, because <laughs> we got a crack research team that gets really good information. He Googles... I Google lists, <laughs> list. retirement lists, and up comes all kinds of stuff. Because, oh. Joe, I got... Uh, I got ten important uh, considerations with four hundred one k rollovers. Okay, I've also got Ed Slot's uh, three fatal IRA errors. Well, uh, there's probably more than three, but we can at least dive into those. Yeah, but the thing is, with with IRAs, in some cases you can undo things. Right. Uh, but here's three that once they're done, they're done. There's no as as Ed Slot says, you can't put the toothpaste back into the toothpaste uh, container. <laughs> Whatever. The tube. That's what I was trying to think of. The toothpaste the container. The toothpaste container. Oh, I'm, I'm sure someone's tried to do that. Yeah, I've tried it. When I, <laughs> you have when not. I put, well, when you squeeze it, too much comes out. I have noticed, though, if you squeeze it and let it go, there's a little bit of suction to get it back in. If you do that 100 times, you can get some back in. <laughs> So there you go. The time, yeah, wow, just the information and just flowing. That's amazing. And then, um, uh, of course, we got your emails. That's my favorite part uh, because we get some very interesting questions. We do. And, uh, so we'll go through that as well. But you know what? There's an article, Father Time, or the father of the 401k. <laughs> yeah, Father Time. Yes. He regrets coming up with the 401k. Yeah, Joe, it's uh, Ted Benna, in case you don't know. He's 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 known Who doesn't as the, know Ted Benna? <laughs> he's known as the father of the 401k, and uh, he was a benefits consultant with Johnson Companies, uh, actually in Philadelphia in 1980. And he was among one of the first to, uh, to come up with this notion that American workers should set aside their own pay uh, pre-tax for their own retirement. But I think initially he wasn't thinking that they would get rid of defined benefit plans altogether, that's right? right. That, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, and that's actually what he now regrets because... Because yes, it's it's it re- so we're talking four hundred one ks or four hundred three bs. A defined like. contribution yeah. that you can put money in pre tax that grows tax deferred 
that you can pull out for retirement. Or, I mean, if you have a Roth provision, it would be after tax and it will grow tax-free. Yeah, so so now uh, now he's, uh, and this is uh, January 2017, an article from Christian Science Monitor. That's, uh, that's the, the source that I found this. And uh, he is saying, and other early proponents saying they dislike what the 401k has spawned. Uh, the tool was never meant to serve as the main means by which workers save, re- save for retirement, but that's precisely what it's become, and it's increasing the financial risk for workers along the way. So if you look back at that time, actually 1979, Joe, 38% of private sector workers in the United States had traditional pension plans, and now today, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's about 13%. Right, so that means so that's the private sector. So that's, that's private you know. sector. Government sector still has pension plans, but so what? What does that mean? That means that we now all have to save ourselves in our four hundred one k, and not everyone has the discipline to be able to do that. And and even if they do it, how do you invest? I, a lot of people don't have the expertise to know how to invest their four hundred one ks. So to round. 40% back in 1980, now to about 10% today. Yeah, in round numbers. And I would say that 10% number will probably be, what, 5% in the next yeah, few years, it, too. Yeah, it continues to go down because the cost of pension plans is, is is more and more expensive, and that's because we're living longer, right? And so... Well, there's two... I mean, I think sometimes when people hear pension, they sometimes refer to their own 401k plan. So there's let, let's look at the distinction here. Right. So there's two different types of retirement plans um, on a high level, defined benefit and defined contribution. A defined benefit um, is just that. The benefit is defined for you by how many years of service that you work for your company, what's your paycheck, right? So they take a look, all right, Clopine, you've been working for me for 35 years. You know, your highest five years was $80,000 or something like that. And so then they look at that and what your age is when you start collecting your benefit, then they do a formula and say, all right, well, we'll give you $65,000 per year for the rest of your life. Right. right. Great plans, sure. defined benefit plans. So the company took all the risk. They put the money into the plan. It was great for, you know, um, to keep employees at the firm, right? It was kind of another hook, if you will. It it was a great benefit, and it wasn't really that expensive because people retired at 65 and they lived at 69 or 70 or whatever the age was. It was life expectancy is a lot greater right now, and so not only are um, the – the, the amount going into these plans more. But since people are living longer, some of these plans are a bit in trouble because they don't have enough assets in there. And so naturally, employers are saying, we don't want to do this anymore. And, oh, there's there's this 401k. Let's do that instead. Right. And so what the 401k is is that it allows employees. And I still don't know what the numbers are, but still, the majority of all employers still don't have a 401k plan for their employees. Yeah, it's it's shocking. I don't have the numbers either. and that's The what, bigger firms do, but still yeah, there's a sure. lot of small businesses that don't and so on and so forth. Yeah, because there's an expense in setting them up. And plus the employer has to do a match generally, right? Meaning that if you put in a certain amount of dollars, they have to match it to a certain level. Right. And a lot of companies, they, they don't necessarily want to because they're trying to save costs. They're trying to cut costs so that they can be more competitive against other companies. And, and so <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. Then that's a double-edged sword because, all right, well, if I have two companies that I'm applying for, one has a 401k, one doesn't, it's the same exact job with the same pay, I, I would definitely take the one with the 401k. Right. You know? Yeah. If it, they're identical. Sure. So um, with everything held equal, and yeah. that's not really Which is in the real world. But, yeah. <laughs> but the defined contribution is that the contribution is defined. So you can put $18,000 into a 401k plan. Uh, if you're over 
$4.50, you get a catch-up, so you can get up to about $24,000, not about, exactly $24,000 into that 401k plan. Uh, so it's pre-tax. If you want to go the standard route, it grows 100% tax-deferred, and then when you retire, you pull the money out. And the concept was that you'd be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And I think that's still true for the majority, right? but not necessarily for people that listen to this show. Right. Because they did what they were told. They stuck a bunch of money into those plans. And now they have this big 401k plan. And then everything is subject to ordinary income. And that's taxed at ordinary income rates. So we can talk about the tax planning around that. But yeah, father time of the 401k says, you know what, man, I wish I didn't push too hard on this because now the companies, because he still thought that, all right, you would get Social Security, the defined benefit plan. Oh, and also another easier way for employees to save money. Yeah. The other thing he doesn't like about the 401ks is he says in his words, I helped open the door for Wall Street to make even more money than they were already making. And he says, that is the one thing I do regret. Because now Wall Street uh, is... Uh, well, in, yeah, because you've got a lot more people investing. Right. Investing it, in you know mutual funds or stocks or correct. whatever. That, that's exactly right. And interestingly enough... He's not a big fan of Wall Street, huh? Well, apparently not, but but I'll follow that up with uh, Dr. George Sazenbacher. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I just had coffee with him. <laughs> Uh, he's a research economist at the Center for Retirement Research in Boston College. You, you knew that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. He, say, I, he says, I quote uh, from the doctor, <laughs> he says, there's nothing inherently wrong with shifting from pensions to 401ks, but if people don't save enough in their 401ks because their contributions are low, that's a problem. And that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant for Just the doctor. <laughs> I practiced all morning. I have to say that. <laughs> the doctor came up with some brilliant <laughs> statements. It was good stuff. Yeah, um, boy, yeah, of course. No one's saving, right? Yeah, and I and I guess the, to continue in this article, the it says experts advise workers to set aside at least eight times their annual salary to retire. And we've talked about that. That's probably not necessarily a bad figure, but it's like, well, you don't know what you're going to be making when you retire, so how do you know what eight times is? So I think a better way is is wherever you're at, just save 15% of your, your wages right. into 401ks. If you make more than 100000 or or whatever the number is and you max out, then save some more outside of your retirement plan. That's that's really what you ought to be shooting for. Yeah, yes, pay yourself first, all right? It's January. January, right? So now we're all getting geared up, you know, want to get in shape, your health and your financial wealth. So pay yourself first. Take advantage of the 401k. It's out of sight, out of mind. It might hurt for the first couple of paychecks, but then after that, you'll be much happier that you've started saving. And then you get excited, you get motivated, and then you can take a look and start saving a little bit more. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. Uh, don't go anywhere. We got Big Al's list uh, when we come back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified uh, financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Well, Joseph, I got, um, uh, uh, I guess, maybe what the new segment uh, we're doing this year, which is the list. The list. The list. And I'm, today's list is uh, 10 important client considerations with 401k rollovers. This is from Investment News. And, and the American College of Financial Services, they uh, they did a recent survey. Uh, they called it the Defined Contribution Rollover Survey. They asked retirees who retired with at least $75,000 in their last employer's 401k about what they did uh, with their savings upon retirement. All right, so I'm an employee. I got over 75000 bucks. I have it in a 401k plan. I leave that employer, so they're asking me, 
hey, what did you do with what, that money? Yeah, what did you do with it? Right. And, and the very first thing is the um, a majority of retirees rolled over their 401k to an IRA at retirement. In fact, 62% rolled over their 401k to an IRA. About 38% kept their money in the 401k, at least initially, but it's likely that more of those individuals will probably roll it out later on. What do you think of that? Well, I... It, it's 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 a great question. I mean, there's certainly pros and cons of, of rolling it out versus keeping it in your 401k. And I think we get asked that question a lot. I mean, on the on the on the pro side, rolling out to an IRA, you probably have more investment choices than in your 401k. Usually, in a 401k, you might have 20 or 30 investment choices. Yeah, some some of them now are some some, some are a lot more. And some some 401ks have a brokerage account where you can invest in anything. So it doesn't apply to everyone. But I'm just talking generally. You might have more investment choices in an IRA. And some people like the fact that when it's an IRA, they have comp- they feel like they have complete control over it. Right. In consolidation, yeah. it's easier to manage, right? Because let's say if you have five different accounts, how are you going to rebalance that, right? And then there's a lot of overlap a lot of times when it comes right. to required distributions. If you have multiple plans, you have to take that distribution onto each of those different plans. Yeah. that And I think a lot, a lot of people don't recognize that. So if you, if you had like six IRAs, you only have to take one required minimum distribution out of one of those accounts for all six. But Every time you have a 401k, let's say you have three 401ks from three former employees, you have to take a required minimum distribution at age 70 and a half from each of the three plans separately. Right. And so you have to do that calculation or the custodian hopefully does that calculation, but you have to take those distributions. We've seen that mistake often. It's like, well, no, I took the distribution out of this plan. Well, no, you have to take them out of all plans if they are separate 401k plans. Right. So um, also a, a good way to keep it in, though. Let's say if you separate from service at that company at 55, then you definitely want to keep it in the plan because you can take those dollars out without that 10% penalty. Yeah, and that's a big difference. So IRA, you have to wait till 59 and a half to take money out without penalty. With a with a 401k, separated from service, you're 55 years old, then there's no penalty. Of course, you pay income taxes either way, but there's no penalty. Another reason to keep it in the 401k is what if you're 70 and a half and you would otherwise have to take a required minimum distribution? If you're still working at the company uh, with an active 401k that you're participating in, you don't have to take the uh, required distribution until the year after you retire. Right. And so let's say you had three different 401k plans from three different employers. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to go back to work. I'm 70 years old, right? I'm bored. I'm in great health and I want to consult or do whatever. Now, this is subject to, you know, ERISA law in, in regards to you can't, it, it can't be your own company. You got to be less than what, a 10% or 5% owner of that uh, particular company. And so there's some rules there. But let's say if you go back to a large company, you could roll all your old 401ks, let's say, into that new 401k that avoids the required distribution until you retire. So if you're making income, a lot of times, you know, taking that RMD or the mandatory distribution out of your retirement accounts at that age might pop you up into a higher tax bracket and you're not necessarily needing the money anyway. So it might make sense to roll it to avoid that additional income. You still get the tax deferral. It's still invested. Um, so there's different there, there's pros and cons. And so, you know, the, the problem with the radio is that people just listen to, the you know, snippet. just a snippet so of it. So they heard the first three things we said, but not the other three. Right. And yeah. so it's like, okay, well, should I roll it? Should I keep it or whatever? Everyone's situation is completely separate. So you really have to take a deeper dive to, to, see, uh, to decide which is right for you. Now back to your money. 
your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're getting into the lists. Yeah, we are, Big Joe. Al's list. We're talking about 10 important client considerations with 401k rollovers. And uh, this is a survey by the American College of Financial Services. And they talked to those that had just retired with at least $75,000 in their 401ks. And they, they found a few things. One, one was that clients view their rollover decision as an important retirement decision. 96% of of respondents stated the decision to roll over or keep the money in the 401k was viewed as a very important decision for their retirement security, which I agree with. It it is an important decision. I mean, that's the only money that you have, right? When you retire, you've accumulated X. You're retired, right? Right. So you're not saving any more money. You're not earning any more money. So you have to be careful with this decision. Well, you do, and and you have to be careful who you're talking to about this decision because in some cases, uh, maybe the fees and costs inside your 401k are less than this broker that you found and wow. whatever, whatever investments yeah. they're going to recommend. Ripping on brokers. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, not all of them, <laughs> but I'm just saying it could be. Okay. Yeah, it could be. And related to that, Joe, is that the rollover decision can be a stressful one, according to 42% of respondents. They were really stressed out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't sleep. But after they did it, Clients, so clients feel confident All right. that the rollover decision was the right one. 92% said they would do it again. Yeah, so, give me yeah. more money. I'll keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just some, just some thoughts there. But here's another one. Clients want good investment performance. Who doesn't, right? Right. right? Imagine Eight, that. But 88%, What comment on this, Joe. And this is just perception by those that did these rollovers. 88% believe that they would get better performance after the rollover. Well, that's re- ridiculous. In, in other words, their IRA is going to earn more than their 401k. Absolutely not. I mean, I suppose if you had terrible investments inside the 401k, but uh, yeah, it's it, generally you you could have somewhat similar investments in either one. You Very may, similar. You may have more choices in an IRA. Right? I mean, I guess I, we have to define what they think of... Um, you know, superior investment performance is. Right. Right. Because the problem is, I don't care if, let's say in the IRA, you have the best investment in the world, right? Right. And then the 401k, you have a mediocre investment. You move it into this best investment, the market tanks. (laughs) What happens, even the best investment will probably lose value, right? Right. If it's invested in equities. Sure. If the market goes down, there's, you know, there's all of a sudden not a category of stocks will go up. So when the market crashes, stocks go down. And what do people usually tend to do? They tend to sell, right? Yeah, they do because they get too worried. Because it's it's the behavior gap, right. using Carl Richards' t- yes. term. Right. That's the biggest problem, in my opinion. You know, so let's say this one investment does ten percent. My investment, my four hundred one k, does nine. Still, the average investor will do three. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Even though the investment did, let's say, 9% or 10%, the investor does significantly less just because of the behavior behind of how they act when markets go sideways. Yeah, and if you think about it, we all are guilty of this. We, we tend to get excited about the stock market when it's going up and up and up, and that's when we buy. It's already gone up. And then we get freaked out when the market declines and we sell, and, and it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. We're, we're buying high and we're selling low. We know we're supposed to do the opposite 
it, but sometimes we get caught up in the emotion at the time. And these, uh, this Dalbar study that's done every single year, sometimes the disparity is only a few percentage, but every single year, Joe, that you would do better keeping your money invested than trying to pull it out and put it back in and try to pick those market timing points. Right. Uh, I mean, a lot of individuals wanted to pull the money out prior to the election. Right. It's like, well, I'm not sure. There's uncertainty. The market's kind of skittish. What's going to happen? Let's pull out and then let's just kind of see what happens. All right. Well, you pull out. Let's see what happens. Well, what's the timing to get back in? When do you want to get back in the overall market? What date? What time? What would trigger? What, what's going to trigger you to go back in? It's your emotion that is going to get you back in. And most of the time it's wrong. Right, because right? the time when you feel confident is when it's... It's, it's already too late. It's too late, It's right. too late. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Right. When we're confident, we want to buy, and it's too late. And when we're not confident, we want to sell, and it's, and wait a minute, that, that's, that's when you ought to be buying. Right, right. That's what Warren Buffett is doing, right? He is buying when stocks are lower, and he takes some profits off the table. You know what, Joe? When when you think of a, a an appropriate globally diversified portfolio with a rebalancing strategy, rebalancing strategy just simply means that whatever asset class that you have that's done really well, you shave some of those profits off, not all of them, just shave some of the profits off and buy an asset class that hasn't done as well, you're constantly selling higher and buying lower by discipline, by definition. You take the emotions out of it. Right. I mean, Vanguard and Morningstar, two very large companies, uh, ran several, a few different studies on the value add of having someone there to kind of hold your hand through um, you know, creating the overall portfolio. What is the appropriate mix of stocks versus bonds? You know, domestic versus you know um, foreign, and then looking at the, a rebalance or tax strategy along on top of that. Uh, but the biggest value add was basically educating the client continuously when markets go up or down because that fear and greed is real. So when the markets are up, we have recency biased and it's like, well, hey, wait a minute, Clopine, you know, the, the, the Dow's 20,000, right? Oh, huge up, upticks in the market, but my portfolio is only up X. Well, it's because you have 60% in bonds. Right. You know what Safety, I mean? Sure. Yeah, because you you're retired. You need to preserve the capital. We you need to create retirement income from this overall portfolio, right? So then they gauge their benchmarks are off, right? Or when the markets crash, right? Because when markets are up, what do we want to do? We want a lot more money in equities, and when the markets go down, we don't want any money in equities. So it, it, it's never going to be perfect here. But going through that educational process to say, all right, this is the strategy. This is what your goals are. This is how much income that you need. This is what you need to do with the overall money to make sure that you are successful with your overall financial life, right? That keeps people in their seats. And that is, I mean, to me, that, that there's no price on that. Right. And it's, uh, I think Vanguard did try to quantify an advisor can give you I mean, it depends, of course, what they're doing and so forth, but it could be 3% or more extra return just by keeping you in your seat, by having you invested, by looking at rebalancing opportunities, by looking at tax management, those types of opportunities, by putting the right assets in the right locations. In other words, you want to put your higher growth assets in your Roth IRA where it's tax-free. Maybe you want to put your lower growth assets in your IRA or 401k because if you have more growth there, you just pay higher taxes in the future. So it's stuff like that where an advisor can actually actually add some value. Right. So if I have an investment in my 401k versus my IRA, and if I'm invested in large company growth stocks, 
they're going to perform exactly the same. It doesn't matter if it's in a shell of a 401k or an IRA. It's basically you're invested in large company growth stocks right. or small stocks or you know, value stocks or bond stocks. I think the true value add of an advisor is to really to take a look at what their strategy is, what their plan is, and coming up with the, uh, you know, I guess the tax alpha, if you will. That's what we try to specialize in. Because if you can reduce the overall tax liability of the income that you're trying to produce, right, that's more money. That's that's a rate of return. If you look at rebalancing when markets go up or down and sideways to keep that risk parameter based on your goals, that's huge. It's not necessarily, no, no one has that crystal ball. They can get lucky to say, hey, I'm going to invest in this IRA with this really smart individual because they know where the markets are going to move. No one knows where the markets are going to move. you got to look at the probability of the highest success. There's possibilities, but we don't want to invest our money on possibilities, right? That's speculation. We want to take a look at more probability of success over the long term and having a, a, a well-defined strategy with that. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name is Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Pure Financial is the company that we work for. Purefinancial.com is the website or yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Go to iTunes. You can check out our podcast on iTunes. I think um, some of you might only get an hour of the show. So if you want to listen to the full two hours that is condensed to the best of, which actually makes it to about seven minutes. It's less than two hours. It's less than one hour. <laughs> uh, but go to iTunes if you uh, choose to, or Stitcher, I think it's called. Um, you can get our podcast right there. You, uh, just search for Your Money, Your Wealth. Your Money, Your Wealth on iTunes. Uh, and if you do choose to, you can write a review or subscribe or whatever you want to do. If you subscribe, then it just comes automatically to your smart device. Ah. If you don't, you got to keep looking for it. Okay. So, yeah. So there you go. And we still got some lists to go. Well, I do. I've got a, yet another list, Joe. This is the fatal three fatal IRA errors. This is from Ed Slott, our friend Ed Slott, uh, who's probably one of the most renowned IRA experts in the country, I think you could say. I would uh, agree with that. So it, when it comes to IRAs, Sometimes you do something you didn't mean to do and you can fix it, right? So for example, <laughs> you um, take some money out of your IRA and then you realize, whoops, I, I didn't really want to do that because I got to pay taxes and if I'm under 59 and a half, there's a penalty. Can, you, can I put it back in the IRA as if it never happened? And the answer is yes, as long as it's within 60 days. And you only have one time to do that within a 12-month period. That's exactly right. Now, this is the first fatal error from Ed Slott is you only do have that one time, as you said, Joe. And this is kind of new. This is a new law that uh, it was from a court case. And I would say this is now, what, about two years old, yeah. something like that. Not a lot of people know about it because it used to be that you could take money out of IRA number one and hold it for 60 days and then put it back and then take money out of IRA number two and hold it for 60 days and put it back. But people would take money out of IRA number one and then they would pay it back with IRA number two. That's exactly right. You bet. And so, and that was actually okay. And so it, essentially, as long as you had six or seven IRAs, you could just keep doing the shell <laughs> yeah. game year after year. Just open up 50 of them. <laughs> So the IRS, got ten bucks in each. IRS finally said, "Nah, that there's we're going to consider every single IRA as if it were one IRA. I don't care if you have fifty IRAs. It's like you have one IRA. You can do this just once a year. So it's it's that sixty day rollover. And as a consequence, 
people that had no intention of trying to avoid taxes are getting caught with this. For example, here, here's a case where maybe um, maybe an individual uh, did a, a pulled out a thousand bucks out of their IRA just because their cash flow was low and they put it back in within the 60 days. Great. Maybe that was eight months ago. And then they decide to go to an advisor. There's $3 million in their, in their an IRA that they want to roll over into another account. And they forgot to tell the advisor that they did a rollover, right? Six, you know, five, six, seven months earlier. And if that rollover happens, if it's a rollover to where the client gets the money uh, or gets a check with their name on it, then that's considered a full distribution. And because the other rollover already happened, this one is is a full distribution, full taxes. And if you're under 59 and a half, full penalty. So you lose half. Yeah, you'd lose half. 1.5 million. Yeah, you would absolutely lose half, maybe even more. more. Right, so that's one thing that if you're if you're moving money around, make sure you do a direct trustee to trustee transfer. In other words, you got money at Fidelity and you want to send it to Vanguard or vice versa. I don't care, but you have you have the institutions send the money to each other. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you don't want to have cons- receipt of that money. Yeah, another one, Joe, is is sometimes when you we we're just talking about four hundred one ks in the last segment, you want to roll over your four hundred one k or roll out your four hundred one k to an IRA. The 401ks sometimes will will force you to take a check, but you want to make sure the check is written to your custodian, like Vanguard Fidelity, and that's still considered to be a direct trustee-to-trustee transfer. If it's the check is written out in your name, that's a 60-day rollover, and you can only do one of those a year. So be careful of that one. Yeah, I mean, it gets so confusing, too. So let's say you can do rollover, direct rollover, transfer. I mean, which one do I check yeah, and no, whatever? Right? Should I do a rollover? I heard rollovers, right? But then if you do a rollover, then it's money's <laughs> going to you. If it's from a 401k, they automatically withhold 20%, and you got to come up with the 20% to put it in within 60 days. But if you've already done a roll, um, it will blow you up. Yeah, by the way, it's a 360-day it's a year or 365-day year after the rollover. It's not a calendar year. Right. So if you did it's it. It's like a rolling 12 months. Right, yeah. So if you did one in July, you don't get a free start again in, in this year, right? It's right. it's it's it's. The following yeah year, so anyway that's that's uh, that's a fatal error. That's something you cannot undo. Done right. Done. Here's well, some... I guess you could do a private letter ruling, spend thirty five thousand dollars, and pray that maybe pray is exactly right. <laughs> that because maybe uh, you're gonna, they might help you out. You're going to be holding on by a prayer on that one. Exactly. Here's another one, Joe. That's uh, it, it's irreversible, and this is when you have a, a non-spouse rollover, like a kid. Like let's say you inherit an IRA from your father or mother. Uh, and you and you roll it over into your own IRA because you think I mean it seems like that would be okay. Right, right. My, my mom and dad had stocks. Yeah, I moved that right into my brokerage account. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. They had a house. I moved into it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so and then they got an IRA. Might as well move that right into my IRA. Let's that, clean this stuff was, up. Yeah, because I don't I don't want all these IRAs. Right. I, I want to consolidate everything and. Guess what? You may not realize this, but that's a prohibited transaction. Done. That's treated as a full distribution. Joe, we had a client, what, a few years ago that uh, had a $1.6 million IRA, did that, and then the consequences were dire. Unfortunately, yes. And I think, you know, there's a... There's rules and laws when it comes to these retirement accounts, and they're infested with taxes. 
And it depends on what the competency is of the individual that's working with that account. It could be the individual owner. It could be a professional. Um, it could be a family member, a friend to say, well, this is what I did. And yeah, the individual, dad died, $1.6 million. He was about 30 years old. This was back in, what, 08? Moved the $1.6 million into his own account, right? Lost in 2008, almost half of the balance. Because of what the market did. Because of what the market did, right? And then all of a sudden, he gets a letter from the IRS saying you did a full distribution, right, of $1.6 million. The account balance was roughly eight hundred. So the whole thing basically blew up on him. So $1.6 million, so... The market took half, and the IRS took the other, the other half, half because they taxed it as uh, if it was one point six. You got it. They didn't care what the balance was today. Yeah, they cared what it was when you rolled. When it. you took it out of the account, right? Crazy stuff. Right, because the custodian sends that to the IRS, so the IRS now is all over these retirement accounts. There's twenty four trillion dollars in retirement accounts, right? And the oldest baby boomer now is turning seventy and a half this year. Or was it last year? Yeah, so now there's a lot of money in these accounts. <clears throat> and so we're looking at the death of the stretch IRA potentially, where now a non-spouse beneficiary could stretch out the li- or the tax liability over their lifetime. The IRS says now, hey, you know what? There's a ton of money in these accounts. You know, the baby boomers are getting older. Eventually they're going to die. And when it goes to the next generation, let's just tax it all. Or maybe we try to get all that money out within a few years. Right. So if you do have a large balance in a retirement account, and I'm saying a few hundred thousand dollars or more, you have to be careful with these accounts. You have to understand the rules, the tax law, what's coming down, how to take the distributions, how to protect it. Do you name a trust as the beneficiary? Do you name a spouse? You know, who, what do you do with all of this? 